survivors and welcome back to another episode of 3030 and surviving this is your host tracy as always new episodes come out every monday at 9 a.m and every has a little asterisk cut me some slack give me a break people it's been a busy couple months couple weeks really but we're coming we're pushing through we're pushing through thank you for your patience but when they are available they are on apple iheart spotify clips on youtube follow along on instagram at 3030 surviving and on tiktok as well for all the highlights and all the recaps and maybe a couple things behind the scenes or in between. I have, of course, a guest with me here today. And to be honest with you, I would just say buckle up. I feel like you're, we're about to take you on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. There's going to be some heavier, really important topics that maybe are a little bit serious, but then we're also going to have a lot of fun as well. So just, I need you to lean into it. I need you to be ready to feel all the feels because this woman that I have with me today, she's quite the storyteller and I think she's really going to get to you guys. She is an award-winning journalist. She is an enormous inspiration on so many different levels, but what I love about her is the positive message that she sends for women in particular and all that she's doing to help raise our voices and lift our voices. So it is a privilege for me to be able to introduce to you guys Jackie Tempera. Thank you so much. I love that introduction. I like being an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I know. That sounds like it's going to no, be a good. little chaotic, but I mean it in the best way possible. I feel like we're just going to go gonna get through into the whole, it. yeah, the whole nine yards. The whole shebang. I love that. Yes. And also I m- should mention or note that Jackie was kind enough to actually travel to be here with us today, which makes it an extra special yeah. privilege. But I, I say that because I'm about to ask you all my introductory questions before we get into the juicy stuff, if you'll play along with me. Absolutely. I thought hard about them. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. I love it. My, and the first one typically is, where were you born and raised slash where are you now? All right. So I was born and raised in New Jersey, where I am now, though I did live in Boston for 10 years. So it was fun to come back for this. Do you miss it? Sometimes. Yeah. On the way up, um, I was talking about like my favorite part of this city, and I feel like it's I don't, my answer was just that it's silly. Like, I feel like everyone's so passionate that it becomes very, like, over-exuberant and silly, and I love it. <laughs> wow. I wouldn't... Listen, that's not how I would describe it, but I'm so glad that's how you see it. Mm. <laughs> we'll just... Leave yeah, we'll, that keep, one we'll there. keep it there. We'll, we'll keep moving. Okay, next is your age, if you don't mind. Yeah, saying. I'm 30. <gasps> Woo-hoo. New to the club? I turned 30 in October, so I'll be 31 in... A month. Okay. Mm-hmm. How so do you relatively feel? Relatively new. How's I love it. You're one of the decade. Good. Year one is good. I feel like it's been a really good year. I think I definitely had some pre thirty nerves, but I think it's a great decade. It's only going to get better. Baby. That's what I keep telling everyone. I like, love don't that. worry about it. <laughs> and October, are you a Libra? I'm a Scorpio. <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm a Scorpio Sun and Rising and a Capricorn Moon. For those who keep track. A double Scorpio. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I think that's going to come into play a little bit later in our conversation, but I'm going to leave that one there too, and you guys will find out soon enough. And relationship status? I am in a relationship. Yes. And my my boyfriend came with me here, which was very nice of him. I don't think you meant anything by it, but the way you said it was like, I am in a relationship. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I have a secret to tell you all. No, we've had a day. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) How long have you guys been together? We have been together for about five months. Okay, so it's new. It is new. It's probably that, like, it's still funny to say a little bit, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. How cool. And I love that he's a supportive partner in travel down here with you. Supportive boyfriend, yes. He's been great. All right, shout out to the supportive boyfriend. Last but not least, since you did take a little bit of a road trip to get over here, my fun question for you and totally random question for you is, what is that one song that when it comes on in the car, you can't help but blast and sing along? So I thought, 
a lot about this one, truly. And I'm going to go with All American Bitch by Olivia Rodrigo right now. Oh, wow. I'm in an Olivia Rodrigo moment. I'm in my angsty teen yes. phase and I'm I'm here for it. I don't even know what that is. Is that the one? <laughs> I'm stunned. stunned <laughs> the girl was too stunned to speak. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm not up to date on the Olivia. What is she's her? Uh, Rodriguez? Rodrigo. Rodrigo. She's, I believe, 19. Okay. She's, um, I, I know. know oh, no, I know she was the whole driver's license yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah she's I like. Back. Okay, she's back. Mm-hmm. She's back. Is that the song? I feel like I've heard clips of a song that is by her where. She's like, I'm not seeing him tonight, right? Or something. Okay, it's not that one, but it's also from this album. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. You know what? (laughs) Let's get through this conversation, then I'll see if I trust your judgment. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I will take a listen. I I will take a listen. So throughout our conversation, I'm going to start peeling back the layers, and we're going to kind of get into little pockets of of different topics. But I would love for you to just start off by telling the listeners from your own words just quickly who you are, your background, your career, so they know from the horse's mouth themselves. Absolutely. So I'm Jackie Tempera. I am, as Tracy said, an award-winning reporter and storyteller. I have been writing stories and journalism since I'm a little kid. Um, as we talked about briefly in our pre-call, I became obsessed with Oprah Winfrey from a very young age and decided that that was what I was going to do no matter what. Um, Clearly a very ambitious little girl, but um, I really set my sights on journalism and it worked out well for me. I went to Emerson College here in Boston and worked in crime reporting at the Boston Globe and the Providence Journal for many years. And now I've settled a little bit more on the spiritual side of things. I write for women's health where I do a lot of horoscopes, um, relationship uh, stories and things of that nature. And then my favorite part of my work is um, my story magic, which is drawing out uh, female founders stories and really getting to the heart of what makes them different and capitalizing on the little details of their life, the magic of all of those tiny little moments. What a 180, right? Like Mm. you've really run the gamut with your career and you've gotten to do a lot of different things and but yet seemingly all this subtle common denominator in a way right where it's it's that storytelling but also really focused around I think empowering women you know Absolutely. that's really at the core and the heart of everything that you've done whether intentional or not you mm-hmm. know um but you've had clearly a lot of great success i mean you've worked for some very reputable and well-known names. Can you talk to me a little bit about your time, maybe in the early days of journalism? What were some of the stories that you were working on? And do you have any career highlights from that era as well? Yeah, certainly. So I started, I want (laughs) to, since I am in Boston, I'll shout out to the Boston Globe. I started truly as a, um, a, like a phone answerer. They called us co-ops, but I started there and, um, would be sent to people's houses to knock on their doors when tragedies happened to their families, which was a pretty horrific job. There's a job for that. I mean, it's not a job, but it's like part of the job is like, you know, someone's someone got into a car accident. So you have to go and ask them if they have a comment about it. And um, that really threw me into this world that I had thought was, um, I think when we think about journalism, we think about true crime and it's fun and it's exciting, but um, it's not really exciting when it's someone's life. And I think that that gets lost a lot. So kind of being thrown into this field that I had dreamed about for so long in such a visceral way and such an emotional way made me realize how important the work I was and uh, the work I was doing was and also the importance of the tiny details of people's lives. Um, I was always very humbled when anyone would speak to me, especially um, there were certain cases where there was a a shooting. I remember um, that a young boy died and his family shared with me the kind of gummy candies that he always used to eat. And it was a detail that made it into the story that wouldn't have otherwise been there because we cared and because we tried to get that extra human element. And I think that that's the theme that's really run through my whole career is trying to 
capture those tiny little moments that make up our lives. Um, but I also did cover the Me Too movement much a lot in my early career, um, which was very impactful. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you about that. But just mm -hmm. quickly before we move on, I think what you said is really important because we sensationalize tragedy in the media, social media, right? Like the press. And it is, I think, because there's this disconnect as we're consuming all of these stories and this information, these updates. It's so easy to compartmentalize when it doesn't directly impact you. Absolutely. It doesn't affect you. And I think that's a flaw that a lot of us have. You know, it's it's the in it's so interesting and captivating, but yet it's because you're not actually tying it to a real human being. And so the fact that you went that extra mile to start incorporating those details, those are the little things in there that I think as a reader wouldn't start to make that click a little bit more like exactly it's not just like oh yeah another shooting on this street at this time on this day you know in this location oh yeah they always have it right it's like wait this is a little boy who's this year's old and you start to picture him eating those gummies and that candy and that's when you really start to feel like wow, I can't imagine what this family is going through right now. Right, and there because, really is a loss here, you know? Yeah, I say this often to the women that I work with when we do storytelling, but those tiny details really allow other people to attach to your story. So obviously in that case, um, I was hoping to humanize this person that was the victim of a really unspeakable tragedy. Um, and I think anyone could relate to candy, right? We all like some sort of sweet treat or... Um, snack or we have a sibling that loves things like that. So I think drawing on those tiny details of our lives really do set us apart and really help us connect with others in a way that you're right. We don't always when we hear about a story on X, Y and Z street or whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. So then the Me Too movement. Yes. I before we even get into it, I just want to say I, I hope that people tell you this often. And if they don't, thank you. Thank because you. what you did, you probably don't think much of it because it was it wasn't a question, right? Like you there's there's something here that needs to be discovered and and told and get to the bottom of, right? And and solved. And so you just jump right in and that seems very much like the personality that you have, but it does take a very special kind of person to be able to have the strength cuz those are those are really there was a really, you know, heavy time. It there's a lot of eyes on it and there is so many women or there are so many women who it's almost like it's just too close to home to even touch or talk about. And so we need these these brave people to be able to come forward and really start to create an, an effect change. And so thank you, because whether you realize it or not, which I hope that you do, you really changed, I'm sure, a lot of people's lives, you thank know, you. That and really, a really impression. means a lot to me. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. Of course. So now everybody's like, well, what did she yeah, do? What the hell did this girl do? <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the time while you were reporting, this was for the Providence. Yes. Journal, so I was right? working for the Providence Journal. Um, I think I was about 24 at the time. And I was on, I think I was covering the state house at that point. I kind of jumped around a lot while I was there. I like to write about pretty much anything. But um, it was in the immediate aftermath of, I believe, the Harvey Weinstein story breaking mm -hmm. and that sort of wave of women coming out and um, online, there was the trend of hashtag me too. And I'm forgetting the woman's name who started it right now, but she is incredible. And I got to hear her speak at the state house after that as well. She started this trend where women would post me too. And it meant that they had faced either sexual assault or harassment. And I remember at that time I was dealing with my own um, harassment at the workplace and with sources at work, whether it was, you know, a politician getting a little handsy when we were talking, like putting his arm around me, or um, there were other more extreme examples. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, one of my uh, former bosses, when I first arrived in the newsroom, it was probably my second day of work, um, 
called me into his office and had his hand down his pants and asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. So this is sort of the environment I'm dealing with. So that's first week of work, right? So I like went in thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be this like lowest lane, like investigative reporter woman. And then I just got like smacked down basically. Um, and I didn't know what to do with that information because I was 22 and this was a man, I'm not going to say how old he was who, cause it's a sensitive situation, but this was a man who was much, much older than me and certainly knew better. Um, so I knew that that was happening with me and I knew about the laws around reporting. I knew what I was supposed to do in a scenario like that because I had reported on it dozens of times. And when it happened to me, I went completely blank. I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell anyone until years later. And would it have made an impact in my direct um, work at that time? I don't really know. But I think it's always good to keep track of these things and to know what your rights are. So given the fact that I had experienced this firsthand from this person and many other just strange things. I mean, one of my first weeks at work, someone tried to buy Girl Scout cookies from me at my desk. Like they just didn't understand that I was a young woman working. Hmm. Yeah, and, you're just a Girl Scout. Yeah, they were like, oh, like, did uh, we heard you're in the Scouts. Like, can we leave some money on your desk? I was like, that's this woman's kid. Like, not me. <laughs> but anyway, I like I tell that story, these stories to just say that I really I really felt like I was back in time when I was working in these newspaper environments. So when the Me Too movement happened, I knew in my gut, in my heart that this was not just happening to me. Right. This is happening to everyone. If it's happening to me in this supposedly progressive newsroom where we're covering these instances of harassment and we're writing these declar declarative editorials about how horrible it is and yet. And the other breath were saying, making stupid remarks. Um, I knew that there had to be more happening at the state house. So I saw dozens and dozens of women working in Rhode Island politics and just working in Rhode Island in general, uh, hashtagging me too on Twitter. So when I went into work that day, I don't remember what I was supposed to be working on, but I remember talking to my editors and saying, hey, I think there's probably a big story here waiting for us to uncover it. And they were kind of like, all right, whatever. Like I was always, <laughs> I don't know. I was very persistent. So I think it was probably a little annoying at that time. <laughs> but, um, so they said, you know, I could finish whatever I was working on that day and then I could make calls on this. So I had a book at that time of every single like state representative in Rhode Island's phone number. So I just went down the list and called every single person until I got to the T's, which came to Representative Teresa Tanzi. Um, I called her up on her cell phone um, and I was just calling these people and basically saying, hey, I saw you tweeted me too. Like, anything you want to share? <laughs> like, you know, it's awkward, but it was just like, that's the kind of work you have to do to really get this information out. It's just like, think of it as like a task mm -hmm. and like as a, yeah, like just an assignment you have to get through. Yeah, and like so, leave no stone left unturned. Absolutely. So I was calling every woman I could imagine in Rhode Island. So finally I got Representative Tansy on the phone. She's in the grocery store. I ask her, um, have you ever been sexually harassed at work? And, you know, reaching the end of the alphabet, I was getting a little disheartened. And she said, yes, I have. Uh, I was asked for sexual favors in exchange for my bills to be passed. And I was just at my desk like, my eyes were so wide and I like I just knew I mean of course it happens to so many people that of course it had to be happening in other places yeah in the state that I was covering so she shared her story with me and we were the first to break the story in Rhode Island which was um I don't know if it was exciting at the time I felt very um proud to share Representative Tansy's story and um the state police immediately started to look into the incident and there was changes to the legislation. So all lawmakers in Rhode Island need to go through mandatory sexual harassment training. And I got to attend the first one, which was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. I think it takes 
so much bravery from from her and from you as well. I mean, I totally can sympathize with that feeling of like you're you're at the T's. You're like there's there's no U's, there's no W's, there's no X's, right? Like you're you're, you're got the last couple people, right? And you're probably at that point not expecting to no. get anything, you no, know? I was and, expecting to be proven wrong. Right. And then to all of a sudden just have her say yes, she doesn't know you through a hole in the wall. She doesn't, you know, what I wonder how many may have said no. Said no when it was yes. Um, but all it, it just shows for like, you know, the women out there that think that their experience isn't enough to create change. This is a perfect example of how all you needed was that one person to come forward and look what happened with it. And we're, there's still a lot of things that we need to change and a lot of things that need to get, you know, put into effect. But you were able to get the ball rolling and you made an enormous, enormous uh, requirement to hopefully help mitigate you know, any of that sort of misconduct to continue. But what I'm curious about too is, do you feel that your personal connection with this experience and what you went through was the, the motivator and the driver to take this story on? Do you think that it may have been different if you didn't have those encounters that you were experiencing in the newsroom? Yeah, I think when you experience something like that firsthand, it just opens your eyes to um, the fact that other people are experiencing. And I think it's similar to... Um, to grief, right? When you Mm -hmm. experience a loss in your life, it can make you understand other people who have have experienced grief better. So I think the same was true of my experience with harassment. It can make you feel really isolated. It can make you feel like you're doing something wrong when, um, you know, my only crime at that time was that I was probably a little bit too enthusiastic and I was young. Um, But I think I wanted to cover stories like that. So whenever I saw there was a lawsuit regarding any sort of like workplace harassment, I always went for it. And I had reported on a police um, case in North Providence at that time as well with a woman who had been harassed at work. And yes, I think my personal experience with both her and then the state representative I spoke with, um, they knew I was I was real, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't sugarcoat the fact that this had also happened to me. I know that that's something most journalism professors would probably tell you not to do, but I was always honest. I didn't, you know, get into the details of my life, but Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, I've worked in journalism for two years and I've been sexually harassed X number of times. Like I can only imagine a 30 year career in politics would, would grant you the same. So I think they knew that I got what they were talking about because I was vulnerable and I was open with them. Yeah. And I want to thank you for for being that way here as well and sharing your story yet again. I'm sure it's never easy or super comfortable to have to kind of talk about it and relive it. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, And I think that what was really interesting, too, is you had all the tools, all the resources to be able to report it to bring it, you know, up the line, right? And it just goes to show, because sometimes we hear that, you know, I think, you know, there's so many people that are quick to be like, oh, well, that woman's lying because why wouldn't she have said something? No one sits on it for that long. You know, there's a lot of accusations that come at women when these things Well, I know, I was thinking of that about myself. Right. Like, I left that room and I was like, well, maybe he was just itchy or maybe he didn't really mean for it to be. And it's like, no. Like, you don't like, can you ever imagine a time where someone has walked into a room and you just like had hand down pants? Like, no, that's not normal. Luckily, I can say no. Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> so it's certainly not normal. I, yeah. I knew that it was wrong. And even I was sort of like, um, I think this word gets overused a lot, but I was gaslighting myself into yeah. saying like it was a normal interaction when it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I can see that now 10 years later. But at the time, um, yeah, I was just like confused I was embarrassed and I didn't want anyone to know even though I knew um it was I knew in my heart of hearts that it was wrong yeah of course and you know there are so many women who I'm sure have had that same exact feeling 
But then it just goes at like an extra layer, an extra step to this is kind of like maybe then they think about, well, I wouldn't even know the first thing to do. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even know how to go about, you know, reporting this and and trying to um, figure out a a solution here. Right. Or, Or get that person, you know get justice in any sort of way but even you who who does know it doesn't necessarily always make a difference either because it still comes back to that kind of doubt or fear Absolutely. it's like this combination of both you mm-hmm. know what are people going to put back on me and blame me for and say it's my fault also could I have misinterpreted that wrong like I don't want to be the one that ruffles feathers like and who wants yeah. to be the that girl yeah or woman you know I mean I was there for like 15 minutes. I didn't want to like file a complaint. You know, how do you do something like that? It was terrifying. It was confusing. So yeah, like you're right. I knew exactly what the right thing to do was, but I didn't do it because um, I just, I don't even know. It didn't even occur to me to do. Wow. Well, I, I, I want to start moving on because I know mm-hmm. that we have a lot of other things to uncover too, but it just was really important for me to be able to um, let them in on that little piece Absolutely. of your life and your journey. And once again, just thank you for everything. Um, but it's certainly, I'm sure, shaped the way that you've looked at the years of your career to come after, right? From, mm-hmm. that, from that time until now. Um so to kind of fast forward a little bit, ultimately, your career in journal- journalism took a little bit of a, a pause and a hiatus around the, the COVID time, correct? Sure. So I was working at a different um, writing position at that time, but wasn't in the field of daily reporting. And that was the first time I hadn't been filing stories daily, probably since I was 16. Mm. Um And it was weird. I was like, why am I not running after like a police car right now and just like sitting in an office normally? But um, yeah, I didn't really know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. I knew that reporting on crime was it was getting to be too much for me between the experiences that we're talking about um, and just the subject matter. uh, It was way too traumatizing. I mean, I was in therapy the whole I love therapy, so (laughs) I recommend it to all. But I uh, would go to therapy to talk about a lot of the cases that I dealt with. And it was really wearing on my nervous system. And I knew that even though I I wanted to do this kind of work and it was important, I needed to take a break and I needed to remove myself. So, yeah, I found myself kind of not really sure what to do. And I had to take a really good look in the mirror during COVID and say, you know, Jackie, you've been (laughs) reporting since you really since I could. Um, My articles were always some of the top read articles at every single news outlet I worked for. And that's not a coincidence, right? Mm. That's because of the work I'm doing. It's because of those extra knocks on the doors, the letters I send people, the emails, the Facebook messages, you know, the extra time I go through to to really get to know my sources. So I really took a bet on myself. I um, ended up parting ways with that last job and I started my own business from there and I decided I would not work for anyone anymore. <laughs> Go girl. Thank you. Thank you. Um, What was going through your head? Was it sort of a combination of, Hey, I want to write about things that, that, you know, I'm personally passionate about and that I, it gives me a little bit more flexibility and variety, but also I never want to be in that situation again where you had to experience that toxic environment in the workplace. Sure. So I think there were two parts of it. I think the first part was that I kept finding myself in these jobs and I just like either wasn't gelling with the, with the bosses Mm -hmm. I had, or was being told I was, I was too loud or I was, and then I was too aggressive. I hate or that. I, yeah, me too. I was too aggressive. And then I wasn't aggressive enough or I was, you know, it just I never felt like I was landing. I always felt like I was too much or not enough. And I always felt uncomfortable. And that kind of environment doesn't produce good work. Um, I thought I was I mean, I was doing the best work I could at the time. But that's not like free flowing creativity, like truly like in my power work. That's me getting the job done. So once I was able to step away from that and really like allow myself to be myself, um, it changed everything. Like I would get not in trouble, but I would get like 
emails. If I, t- I, I remember one time I wrote a story about tampons that ended a tampon tax that ended up on the front page. And I tweeted something like, yay for getting periods on the front page. And my editor was furious with me. Really? Yeah. Cause I was, he was like, why would you do something like this? Like it's foul, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, Ugh. so I just like got kind of feedback. Are we all like going to pretend that women that don't, we don't have, have periods? periods. <laughs> like, I don't that know. I thought, just... it was, I thought it was funny. Um, so I just kept kind of coming up against these like very mm. old ideals and I was really sick of it. And I had seen other people around that time sort of doing life coaching and social media management. And I wasn't really sure where I fit into that world, but I knew I had a skill set that could be monetized. So that's yeah. kind of where I was. Absolutely. At any point during this time, did you take a moment to kind of zoom out for just a second and think about as you're having these doubts, you're not sure, you're a little bit uneasy on what the future is going to hold, to still give yourself credit regarding the magnitude of change and importance that you created during your time breaking those stories with, you know, the Me Too movement? That's a great question. Because I think that I'm thinking of like this imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've been you've been unfortunately put in these situations where you're you're not in an environment where you can thrive. You're being mistreated. You're I'm assuming to not given the recognition and the accolades that you deserve from your leadership and the people that are supposed to be doing that. But yet you're making these enormous strides. So I wonder that must be a little bit of a complex for you. And do you feel like that stifled your process a little bit in sort of moving to that next, that next chapter, because you're doubting yourself based on. Yeah. I think I internalize a lot of that. And um, even like I was saying to to you earlier, Mm -hmm. like with that incident, I doubted myself, but I think especially as women, uh, we doubt ourselves all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's difficult to not doubt ourselves, especially when there are people literally telling us that we're not good or we're too much or we're being foul or whatever it may be. Um, I I mean, I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of the fake it till you make it kind of mindset around confidence, but I have always sort of tried to embody like an alter ego. I think of it like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce, and I have Jack Temp. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly as hell. No. But it's the way that I'm able to show up as like, like you know, the boss. Mm-hmm. Like me, Jackie. Like, I don't always feel that way about myself. But like, if I can put it into this person, into this business, I can really show up and realize the potential I have. I also love, <laughs> I at that time had probably 30 or 40 different post-it notes just around my apartment that were like, you are powerful, like you are smart and just all these little things because yeah, it would have been really easy to just kind of throw in the towel and get another nine to five, but I knew I wanted to do something more. I love what you just said. I have little affirmations, oh, sticky notes on my <laughs> mirror every morning as well. Um, but I think that you really finally got to this point where you took all that and then you just blew the top off. I mean, and now what you're doing is something that creates joy and manifests joy for you. And you're also still storytelling and helping other people as well. I I, I agree with you. I think those um, moments of self-doubt are very natural. Um, but I, I do think that the whole fake it till you make it thing, I think there's a, there's a, to an extent, yeah, I would say, sure. you know, right? Like, because I also am, I'm not a fan of this, like, toxic positivity where no. everything in my life is amazing, everything's so good, nothing bad happens to me, presenting this one side of you on social media. That's not what you're doing, Mm-mm. right? And I think that there's there's a difference between, like, I can just compartmentalize my bad day and I'm going to show up for myself and put my best foot forward. And I think that... Um, not letting every little thing like get you down and just kind of trial by error, you know, like I think that's sort of yeah, what just, you're, you know, like that's that. I think it's just kind of go it. for it. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, yeah. 
I think it's my advice is to always go for it before you're ready. Like just kind of go like with my business. I had no plan. I had no business school training. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand like a launch strategy. I'm still I I do know what that is now, but I didn't at the time. Um, And I just was like, okay, I'll just start messaging people. Right. And seeing if they want to work with me. And um, one of my first clients was a former guest of yours, Emily Chandra from Seacoast Stilettos. We love you, Emily. We love you. She is uh, was such an inspiration for me. She started her own business um, also during the Me Too movement. And I, yeah, I would go to her classes and watch her and be like, wow, like this is such a powerful person. And she created this whole field for herself, this whole job. So I knew that I wanted to work with people like that who were really Mm -hmm. embodied who are helping others see that in themselves and anything that I can lend to um, women who are, who own businesses like that. I'm happy to dive in. I really, the work that I do storytelling um, is been, has been some of the most rewarding work I've done. I just taking a moment to let that soak in. Cause I think for me too, like it's a really cool full circle moment because I've had so many amazing women on this show and some people have yeah, known each other, been in the same circles, like, but you hear a lot of these women come in and talk about mentors and who's made, you know, a great example for them. How cool is it to have someone that's also been in that chair? Yeah, two be, of your former guests, truly. Katie Grimes as well, I will Katie, shout out. Is Katie, I will say I was in traffic on the way here and I think Katie texted me and I haven't list, I haven't looked at her text <laughs> yet, but I promise you, Katie, I, I will read it after this is done. Hi, but yeah, I think I'm pretty sure she says hi. Hi. <laughs> um, that's yeah, really but cool. They both were in my life at that time. Um, Katie and I actually went to one of Emily's classes. And that's how um, that all, you know, they work together mm-hmm. as well. So I think just surrounding myself with more women who were doing this opened my eyes to what was possible. Because when you're sitting at a desk in a newsroom all day, you kind of think that that's all there is. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's talk about, you know, you're talking about starting your business. Mm. What is Jackie doing on the day to day now? Yeah. So I work with, um, like I said, female founders, mostly women who work to empower others or really create community, um, a lot of confidence building. So uh, my current clients, like I work with the boudoir boudoir photographer who I love. Um, I work with Emily and then I do brand storytelling. So that is something that I've come up with. It's an offer called story magic. And it's all of the questions that I've been asking people in my journalism career condensed into a two hour interview that I do with my clients. And it's really designed to draw out those juicy little details, like those tiny things that you think are like not important, but actually are so important. Yeah. I, um, use this example often, but one of my, uh, close friends now, and also she does my bookkeeping, Ellie, she did story magic with me and she was very convinced that she didn't have a connection to bookkeeping. And I was like, there has to be something right. And like more and more we get into it and we're talking about her childhood. And uh, we got to, she said kind of offhand that her mom used to dump out junk drawers and she used to reorganize them. And I was like, okay, that's weird. What else kind of stuff did you do like that? And um, she goes, I actually had a, a spreadsheet on, um, Excel that I would put in every time I did my chores because I made like five cents every time I did the laundry or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I would tally it all up. And then I made hundreds of dollars from like just keeping track of that for my mom. So I was like, okay, so you were doing bookkeeping for yourself when you were five. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, like like people, we don't connect these things about ourselves because it's us. It seems normal. Yeah. So now she uses that often in her marketing. And it's, I think, one of her taglines now is like sure you could hire um anyone to do your bookkeeping but don't you want someone who's been doing it since they kept a chore chart um and it's just like those little things that really pull people in i know she's gotten tons of new business since we've done this she's improved her confidence like relaunched her whole um social media strategy and it's been a joy to watch her do that and i I love just being that like catalyst, that sort of like reflection back to women like, hey, you're great. Like you've been through a beautiful journey. Like, let's celebrate that. Yeah. Like your own little personal cheerleader, too, which Mm. is really special. And as you're talking about this, 
I'm curious, are most people coming to you only to help with marketing for launching their businesses? Because I'm listening to this and also kind of thinking like, this is great for going into a job interview, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and maybe trying to figure out what your next hobby should be. Like just, it could really run the game. It doesn't need to be just, what's my brand marketing strategy to get new customers and bottom line, you know, we're talking about dollar signs. It really is kind of this like soul searching experience as well. I take it extremely seriously. I know, um, you know, anytime you talk to someone for two hours about, their whole life is it's an intimate process. So I get to know the women I work with very well. And I, um, yeah, I really thank them for trusting me with their stories. I know Mm. it's the most personal thing that we have are our experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think again, I'll say, especially as women, we don't talk about ourselves often. We don't talk about our accomplishments or reflect upon them. It's not encouraged as much in girls as it is in boys. Even in school, we've seen this. There's mm-hmm. been studies on this, right? Um, but when you do sit with someone who, you know, I'm I'm a trained interviewer and we do an interview like just as you and I are right now for two hours, there's so much that comes out of that that, yeah, is different ideas for businesses, for sure, marketing strategies and the like. But yes, I've worked with women who are switching careers or industries and are just like not really sure what they're like, how it all ties together. I mean, the offer came from my own experience because when I started my business, I um, I didn't know what how to explain what I did. And it made me feel so stupid And I was caught at all, like, I would remember I was at one of my cousin's engagement parties and someone asked me, like, oh, how's your little website doing? And I wanted to backhand this person. I want to throw balls. Yeah, and I'm like, but then I had nothing to say. I was just like, it's good. (laughs) I think sometimes silence, it it says everything, you know, just let them watch and see. Let them do the little website, right? But I didn't know how to introduce myself in a professional capacity. And it made me feel really small. So that's really why I designed this is so that I could show other women that they were powerful and reflect back to them all of the beautiful things that they have accomplished. So then they can take that out into the world and have that like little bit of boost of confidence with them. Right. Like that's what the offer is more so even than like the finished product of the story. It's really the journey. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong. But you also have something new upcoming as yes. well outside of this. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So I'm starting my first uh, group coaching program that's going to start with a beautiful social media challenge that I would love for everybody to join called Own Your Extra. It's all about self-promotion and telling your own story. So oftentimes when I talk to my clients for these story magic sessions, we capture one tiny little sliver of what they're about. Right. We usually go in with a goal. So, you know, if you were trying to get more podcast listeners, we might talk about your experience interviewing certain people, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking very basic right now. But there are probably thousands of different story magics or stories within you. And all you need to know is that framework, that sort of muscle to keep telling those stories. So Mm -hmm. in my program, I'm teaching the method that I use. I'm teaching the sto- the questions that I ask and the actual format of the writing that I use so then that women can learn these skills and take them online and really draw in their dream clients by being themselves. I I can't wait. Cause Me neither. I, I'm so excited. I need this as well. <laughs> I work in sales, mm-hmm. and so I think that there's always this – most people will tell you this, right? There's this sort of fine line that you toe of remaining professional and sort of keeping things in a certain box, but also people buy and work with, you know, people that they like. So you need to be personal. You need to still make that connection. And so you don't want to be too informal, right? So there is that little bit of that nuance and delicate been dance. Tricked into thinking that our personalities make us unprofessional. Mm, And I disagree. (laughs) I think that our personalities are beautiful things and that it's boring when we suppress all of that. I agree. But yeah, I think I've always I've always been like, oh, Tracy, reel it in, you know, because I know when I started doing sales calls for the first time, um, 
I work with a I was I work with a business coach, Samantha Bove. She's fabulous. Mm. Um, she was watching my calls and she was like, why are you a robot when you talk to people in a sales call? And then when you pop on the phone with me, you're like this goofy little ball of sunshine. <laughs> like, where is that going? Right, right. But I'm like, no, like I'm like buttoned up Professor Jackie on the call. And then yeah. like I wasn't closing the sales because they were like, like, who the hell is this? Why would I want her to tell my story? Yeah, because you're yeah, I'm like, moving like this I'm and like, talking like Siri. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I wasn't being myself at all. So right. she's like, yeah, you got to. You know, yeah. like that's an asset. Like everyone, your personality is the biggest asset that you have. It's uniquely you. No one else has it. Wow. I love that. Thank really you for that. that. That's a really great reminder. Um, and I am going to, in the comments or the description for this episode, link out to that. It, it's launching in October, correct? Yes, like so it's my, right on the I'm corner. having a challenge. It's a five-day social media challenge called Own Your Extra. It's all about sharing yourself authentically on social media and the details of that will be dropping very very soon in a few weeks okay so anyone that wants to really capture um their story their personality all of their the juiciness of themselves and really be themselves online um sign up for my newsletter you'll get all the info there or follow me online i'm always talking about telling your story. <laughs> okay, perfect. And you also have a very generous offer yes. when it comes to the story magic as well, correct? Sure. So for my story magic masterclass, um, I am offering your listeners 30% off, you know, 30 flirty, woo, woo. surviving. We love a theme. Um, so it's only comes to about 15, I think it's 1540. So that is the nice. essence of the, again, the framework. It mm -hmm. is the masterclass. And um, yeah, I would love to see some of you all listen to it. It's a great, I love it. Great product. Thank if you. If I do for, say so myself. <laughs> yes, girl. You pat that back, Mama. I love it. Um, thank you for doing that. It's very kind of you guys or of you to do that. And you guys, it will also again be in the description for the links. But you can, I'm sure, you link in bio your Instagram too Absolutely. if they can find it, which is just Jackie Temp. It's Jack Temp. Jack Temp. Mm -hmm. Is that is that what you said was the alter ego? Was it Jack or Jackie? Jack. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't be. I'm so sorry. Don't be at all. <laughs> okay. Jackie so is my name. Okay. And then I want to talk about one more thing Let's go. before we really start to bring this to a close because it honestly like gets me fired up because when you and I first connected mm -hmm. and we were chatting offline about whether or not you'd be interested in coming on. Thank God you were. Um, I brought up something to you. Oh, yes. Let's talk about it. Then <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of like, whoa, wait a second. And I just found it so funny. So essentially, when I was looking at Jackie's Your story magic to me, I, I was gonna say, I mean, listen, I didn't want to steal the thunder, but I kind of think that I did. I kind of think you that did. I did. Okay, so I was looking at your Instagram, and what stood out to me the most was how powerful your messaging was, very much like body positivity, sex positive, empowering women specifically. I mean, you're writing for women's health. Mm -hmm. You're talking about horoscopes and how to, like, you know, ramp up your love life and how to make connections. Yeah, like all of these crazy things, which I was like, yes, I'm, I I can co-sign. Let's get behind this. I love it because it's that part of, I think, women we kind of keep hidden. Like women don't like either. It's like you're the bikini pictures and the models and the all that. Or it's like we're all very wholesome and we don't show that side of ourselves. And I think that you're kind of showing there's room for somewhere in between and all of the above and every little piece of it that speaks to you. And I was just like, oh, that's really cool. And I love that she's just so confident around these areas. And then we were talking about your experience going back to the Me Too movement and also your working in your you know first job and having those horrible leaders and men, you know, with the harassment. And I I said to you, I think that there's such a, a powerful sort of juxtaposition here where you can say, I have been in situations where I have been where, you know, maybe 
advances were right not welcome but then I also can sit here and talk about sex and and put that forward and I was like that's such a cool concept because it makes me think it really all boils down to just consent and also our comfort zone and it's okay to be both it's okay to say I I enjoy sex. I'm a woman. I, you know, I want pleasure too. I can, you know, show skin. I can talk about my body in any way, shape or form. But that doesn't, that's not an invitation for you to insert yourself into that narrative. I still need to invite you into it. And I, I loved that because I think that there's a lot of perhaps shame like you can't be both you can't and I'm I'm not saying this personally but like this is the sort of scenario that I imagine mm. it's like well don't cry wolf and then Absolutely. go yeah. and put all put that out there because what do you expect online, right? do you know yeah, what, I mean? what do you expect men to comment da, 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 da. I just love and you were like I've never thought about that before no I truly <laughs> hadn't it hit me like a ton of bricks when you said that to me because I hadn't really thought about the expression piece of it, but I think it does come back to feeling so stifled in those like corporate positions and mm-hmm. feeling like I couldn't really express myself that then when I realized that it was me who was in charge, I was like, oh, we can post the bikini pics. Yes. Like, and I love it. Like, I know, I mean, I'm a plus size person. I think it's important to show plus size bodies. Um, that's something that's really, I'm really passionate about is, you know, like fat shaming and fat bias is so stupid, like get over yourselves. Um, and yeah, I think from being so suppressed at my job and feeling like, oh, well maybe if I, you know, dressed more conservatively, although at that time I was wearing like turtlenecks and trousers, it wasn't like (laughs) I wasn't wearing my bikinis to work. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, oh, well, maybe if I keep wearing more layers or if I cover up more, like nobody is going to pay attention to me. Well, you know what? They were going to harass me anyway. So I might as well wear something that makes me feel sexy, that makes me feel empowered and that I love that I love my body in. And um, yeah, I truly have thought about that a lot since our first conversation, how Um, That was such a transformation for me because at the I mean, at that time in my life, I mean, I write about sex toys often for women's health. Now, I was terrified to go into condom world with my friend when I was a teenager, you know, like they went and I was like, absolutely not. What is condom world? You've never been to condom world? No. It used to be on Newberry Street. Yeah. What is it? Like a sex toy store? Yeah. I think that's what it was called. I mean, I didn't go because I was afraid. But. It was like a a sex shop and my friends were going. I remember I was like 18. I was mortified even at the thought. I turned like bright purple and then now I'm like, you know, 10 best CBD lubes used with your. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, we evolve. We we let go of the shame after a while. And it's like, yeah, everyone has the same wants and needs and desires. And again, it doesn't make you unprofessional or unhirable or. Like the people that get you are going to get you. Yeah. I say this to myself a lot and I think it's a good mantra for for life in general is Mm -hmm. like you're not going to be for everyone, but you're always going to be for someone. And I say that to myself every time I'm posting on social, every time I'm launching something before I came to this podcast, when I'm taking a big swing, that's what I always come back to. That's a really beautiful sentiment and I think it's the truth and also what a good way to kind of keep that um, little fire inside going too because it's not about pleasing everybody and what your messaging is like if it only if it speaks to one person and you make their day you make them think about something differently you change their perspective their attitude like that's enough you know what I mean that that's so well worth it so the, and the chances, the odds that you're going to have at least one person that resonates are higher than worrying about trying to get everybody on board. Yeah, sure. So, you know what I mean? So it's just like, why wouldn't you make yeah, that I change could post, and that impact? You know, we could post filtered photos of ourselves yeah. and get a million likes and yeah. everybody will scroll past them. Or you could post something, you know, maybe a little bit more vulnerable. You get maybe four likes and maybe those four people are now your fans for life. Mm-hmm. They're going to buy whatever you're selling for the rest of your business because they believe in you and they trust you. Like That's what we're doing. That That's changing your business and your life, yeah. not just like having a pretty picture up, which, you know, I also love a pretty picture, but mm-hmm. it's nice to get a little real. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious, though, and this may be a hard question to answer, 
But just because you have, I think, so much of this like field experience, you've talked to so many people from all different backgrounds and areas and blah, 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 blah. Uh, why do you think for some people there's such a difficult t- time understanding this like concept of both of those things being able to exist and not being mutually exclusive of one another, meaning, you know, I can still advocate for like my body and my rights, but yet I can show myself with a skimpy outfit. I can talk about sex. I can like, why do you think people I mean, have, have a hard you, time connecting the have two? You turned into politics recently? <laughs> I mean, there was like, I remember there was uh, some senator when I was a teenager that said something to the nature that like, if you're, if you're raped and you become pregnant, then you weren't really raped. Like it was, then your body accepted it. Or like something stupid. I can't remember the man's name right now. This is a horrible It's example. not worth ever mentioning his no, name ever again. We're not giving him any PR. But I think, you know, people talk like people have crazy mm-hmm. ideas around sex, around body image, and around showing our bodies. Again, like I am I've always been a curvy person. I grew boobs when I was eleven and I used to wear like seventeen different shirts on top of one another to try and suppress it because I was afraid of of what that meant and what that kind of attention would be because I think we see in media like yeah there's like you can be the serious career girl or you can be sort of like the beach bimbo or whatever you want to call it and it's like no we can be both yeah we can be both (laughs) yeah I think that honestly it scares it's very intimidating to Mm -hmm. people because some I think some minds are very like it's black and white it, it's it's left or right right and so like you have to kind of fit into a mold you have to fit into a box and and I think it's people just trying to limit and suppress others where there can't possibly be room for both of these things to exist at the same time you Certainly. know yeah and I think that in like past decades it wasn't mm-hmm. possible to do both things yeah. I think Luckily, now we're finally like reaching a place where like we can be like, yes, it's like a yes and right. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I am professional. Yes, I am a, bris- a businesswoman. And I also like taking pictures in my bikinis and posting them on my Instagram. And I think that that's that's beautiful balance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't mean, you know, I deserve to be harassed or I am calling for people to make comments. It's like. Everyone just stay in your own lane. Yeah. Like, don't make comments about people's bodies. I think that's just, like, a good rule. I I, <laughs> I mean, the like fact that we basics. have to remind yeah. people of that rule is yeah. a little disheartening. But, yes, I agree. It's a very good rule. Mm-hmm. Very good rule. And I think also, too, whenever you're met with any sort of judgment, it's a good question to ask yourself, like, how does this opinion that they're trying to push on me support their narrative? Like, what, you know, you think about some of these, you know, politicians and things like that you're talking about. I'm like, what? Why does my body affect you? Oh, it's because at the end of the day, you want X, Y, and Z. And so you also can, you can peel back those layers and oh, realize totally. there's so much it doesn't have anything to do it. with you, you know? And no. that's, I think the, the reminder that we need as well is, is thinking when those negative things get said, it's less about you and more about them. Yeah. While that is a tough pill to swallow especially yeah. <laughs> i'll say as a plus-size woman who works at a health magazine like my dms and messages are vile um but give me their names their numbers <laughs> yeah, like, their like, addresses then we will get PR. no but like people will email me and they'll be like you fat slut like how are you writing about exercise when you don't know what an ab is and um yeah like that doesn't feel great right like the first couple of times that happened Just, to me what gives people the gall? did i cry like of course i did but now i can Take a step back and say, you know what? This person is afraid of their own body. Like this person is afraid of a confident person writing about what they love. And this is why they need to tell me that I'm, you know, a dumb fat slut or whatever it may be. They need to tell me that because they don't believe that it's possible to be happy and also to be curvy or fat or whatever the word you want to use is. They don't believe it themselves. It's their own judgment. It has nothing to do with me. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. You're such a wonderful example. Thank you. As are you. This has been a wonderful conversation. Man.
Okay, I want to know what the funnest article to end on a happy note. Because I think I'm starting to tear up a little bit. So I need to switch it up. (laughs) Because what you just said was just really, just got to me. That was, it just breaks my heart that people are like that. I hate that people hate themselves, you know? Yeah. I gotta love what you go on. Yeah, I have too. We all have, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, that's awful. So on a fun note. The most fun article I've written? Yeah, talk to me about the, the funnest thing that you've ever written about whether it's about a sex toy whether it's astrology and also um can you tell me from your astrology uh, expertise now mm-hmm. aries what are we most compatible with from from a love perspective aries i would say so you're fire you're an aries mm-hmm. hmm. i kind of like an aries sagittarius combination oh, okay. but that's a lot of fire that is a lot of fire mm. if you had to think of a non-fire sign I'm going to go with a cancer. Oh, God. Okay. No, actually, I take that back. Cancers are way too emotional for Aries. <laughs> I could talk all day ding, about ding, this. Ding, I'm going to, I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to go through every sign and your listeners will um, be like, okay, enough, lady. <laughs> in, in your defense, that was kind of a baiting question. I was trying, I've told Hurley a million times, he's a Gemini, that we oh. are very compatible. You are. Would you look at that? She says it the third attempt. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gemini and Aries. Totally. I was just trying to see. I just like to tease him every once in a while, <laughs> see what he says. But um, Okay, so okay, your funnest article. Fun article. Oh, man. Story, whatever, you know. I hate that this is so hard. Oh, you know what? I wrote a really fun article recently. I wrote about um, the Real Housewives of New York City. I wrote about their real wealth, whether or not they are really considered like New York wealthy. So I got to like look into their real estate and like really dig into the records. And that is truly my favorite thing to do is to apply my investigative reporting um, experience to the nonsense of reality TV. Nothing delights me more. So any article like that, that requires like a little bit of research, but is also like very stupid. You'll catch me there. I, I'm I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you. It was a fun and one. Honestly, They're not New I've York always, City rich. I didn't think they were. Mm. I also think there's rumors one girl doesn't even actually live in New York or something. She's it's just possible. there to film. It's possible. <laughs> I cannot confirm no. or deny. No. <laughs> That's what that sounded like. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're like, she just paid me off to not yes. comment. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Tinsley Bordemer has slipped me, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. Also, I need to know like what well, we can talk about this after, but like I need to know what databases you're in. Like, where are you finding your information? Because I have a couple people who maybe aren't on TV that I would like to look into. Oh, you just got to know the address, girl. Yeah. You just got to do a lot of Googling. Yeah, I'm going to need to know your yeah, FBI. Yeah, 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 no, I'm a freak like that. I'm really good at a, at a, at a searching, you know, stalking lately yeah. with consent is what I call it, researching. That's right. Mm. That's right. Well, I cannot... Thank you enough for being here. This truthfully has probably been one of my favorite episodes this ever. So, that's so nice to hear. Thank it's you so been much. So fun. And I really truly mean it that it's a privilege to have you here. And I'm very grateful for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. You're a really special human being and a sweet, sweet soul. And I cannot wait to see like you're just at the beginning. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see what happens. And right back at you. you. I mean, this is an incredible platform. You do so much for women here. Um, I mean, inviting me to share my story here was truly like a pinch me moment. Um, And I loved it. I mean, I love talking to you. And you're you're also very sweet soul. (gasps) This isn't about me, but thank you so much. (laughs) No, Um, thank you, Trace. Of course, of course. Last, last thing. I always ask everybody before we wrap. Mm. If you could offer one piece of advice to the listeners what would it be? And it can be general life advice. Like, I wish that younger Jackie knew this. You know, I wish I knew that then, what I know now type of thing. Whatever speaks to you. I think what we were kind of just talking about, when people criticize you, um, it's really all about them and not about, I mean, okay, if you have poor behavior, maybe it's about you. But often when we think about like, right, we're talking, talked a lot about like social media or like people being like haters or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Like we could get so in our head about starting the thing, like being the biggest version of ourselves, like stepping into the spotlight because we're afraid of what like 
you know, Jenny one, two, three, four on Instagram is going to say. And I just would love to tell myself maybe 10 years ago that it does not matter who is looking at it online or what people are DMing and talking or gossiping about. If you're being yourself, that's the most powerful thing that you can do. And um, that's that's the advice I would give. And I know that that's very general to be yourself, mm -hmm. but don't make yourself smaller because you're afraid of what other people are going to say about you. Yeah, I, I it's and again, you know, it's understandably easier said than done sometimes. Of course, but even if you don't believe it, like it's kind of that faking it to making it a little bit too Come right. up with Just your alter keep, ego. <laughs> keep reminding yourself of that because eventually I think it will sink in. Um, and even if it's not easy to see, you just got to believe that and try to believe that. And over time, it will become glaringly obvious. Yeah. Once you do it enough times, it's less scary. Yeah. Like anything else. Yeah. Well, thank you. Great, thank you. great advice. Thank you again. And last time it's just Jack Temp on Instagram. Yes. And again, the, the links for um, both of the... The program and the challenge. Yes. I was, I know, I was going <laughs> to say both of the programs, and I'm like, that's not and quite right. There's a whole but yeah, bunch of stuff. All, all the links, all the things, all the everything are going to be in the description, but also you can find them in the link in her Instagram bio as yes, well. Again. We will see you guys next week. Bye.